BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hi, friends. I'm here at Samsung 837 with uh, someone I'm meeting for the first time. Welcome, Nicole Lappin. I'm so excited to meet you. I feel like I know you. I know. I was going to say, I feel like we know each other because we've talked a lot over like Channels, emails, so many channels. everything. And the grand. You know my dad. I love like, your dad. <laughs> so I feel very connected. Um, I want to be part of the family. Is that possible? You we guys adopt so a lot many. of people. I and know. You don't even notice me. We have a lot of like extended people who have joined our family. A lot of people who have actually been guests on the show. So you're taking the first right step. Okay, perfect. <laughs> first step is on the show. Second step is part of the family. Yes, Christmas party, everything. Everything. Um, my dad it. actually, I just recorded an episode with him. So by the time this releases, it will be out. Adorable. It was great. Yeah, he's an awesome guy. Um, so we were first connected because we were originally supposed to do that project together Yep. with like a third party that was choosing a person of one section and then like yep. the expert, you. And that's how we connected. And then I was like, wait, I think you might know my dad. And then since yeah. then we've been emailing. So Nicole is a New York Times bestselling author, which is a Freaking amazing title. <laughs> Thank you. I would get that tattooed on my forehead probably. I kind of want to. I just tattooed um, – Oh, did my, you? Well, I'm not New York Times bestselling other than being so obnoxious. <laughs> um, but yeah, Superwoman um, for my third book. Can I see it? Yeah. So I got this. I love that. And then that. I have – let's see. I'm just – now I'm no, taking it off. Go for it. Take so off the dress. So I have – I really want to get a tattoo. No, but my – so – my sisters and I really want to get one. and I've talked Imagine. about getting one. Yeah. We oh, want so to get, like, I'm getting one too oh, yes. because I'm Perfect. a new sister. So I have this as a semicolon. Very and then cool. this was my first one. And then this was my second right before the book was coming out. Yeah. And then this I just got, There Will Be Time. I really like that. Which is from a T.S. Eliot poem. It's a single needle situation. You know, I thought it was just going to be one. I love the placement of those, too. No, once you start, you can't stop. Oh, my God. I thought it was like, yeah, yeah, just this little guy. We're done. You can come up and watch. And I was like, fuck it. I'm I'm already in. My friend has like 22. She's like, I can't stop. She loves it. It's addictive. It becomes a thing. And it like marks really important times in your life. Mm -hmm. And I almost consider them jewelry now. No. And like yours are very like small and decorative and like – Beautiful. So they are jewelry. I feel that way. I've thought about, yeah. So They cost as much as jewelry. I know. Those things are expensive. <laughs> you don't want to like skimp on that. I know. You don't want to like skimp on You want on like a very legit person. Tattoo yes. artist. Sushi, tattoos, <laughs> and like dyeing your hair. Those are three things That's that right. you just don't want to say. Yeah. I've never dyed mine, but I've always thought that. 
But then people tell me how much they spend to dye their hair, and I'm like, and that's why I'll never dye my hair. You have beautiful hair. Oh, thank because you. Because people come in this with the after picture of your face. <laughs> like, I want to look like Cameron. You are way too kind. Um, so to kick things off, yes. how would you define success? Such a great question. I would define success as having more good days than bad days. Yes. Yeah. I love when everyone has a different answer and it makes me so excited. Is How is mine rank? Amazing. No Thank one you. said it. Okay, good. Yes. What have people said? Have they repeated? It's varied. Happiness. There's been a f- – yeah, a lot about happiness. Some are more – you know, my husband is a very literal person. So he said, yes, of course I want to be happy and I want fulfillment. But at some point financials do play a role in happiness, which I totally agree. Um, it's been across the board, honestly. But it always really shows how the person is in that current stage of their life yeah. because my definition has changed so much. As What's yours now? Mine now, I would say, is when I'm proud when I'm proud to say what I do. Oh, nice. Um, and I think that it was so financially driven when I was at J.P. Morgan. And then when I left, I wasn't really sure. I was still tying in numbers financially, but then I felt like I was – succeeding in my realm of freckled foodie, but the numbers weren't comparing to what they were at J.P. Morgan, which is totally accepting and, like, fine and understandable. But then I was, like, getting down on myself. And I'm like, no, screw this. I can change my definition. And then for a while I was having a hard time of telling people what I do, like, deciding what my job title was because I kind of am making my own. And so it hit a point where I was really proud to say what I was doing. And that's when I think I felt the most successful. I love that. Thank you. And when I'm helping people. That's when I'm in my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'd like to think I'm doing on here. You are. Thank you. You totally are. Are you currently having more good days than bad days? I am. Good. And for me, it's just being really realistic about, you know, what – personal happiness and self-love is. I just uh, finished touring or I'm still sort of touring um, for my third book on burnout. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot about balance and I don't think it's chaos or balance. It has to be chaos and balance. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I was on the verge of burnout yet again and a total imposter uh, right as I was launching my book. And I went off the grid and I realized because I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got this balance shit. Like, we good. Mm -hmm. I'll get back to the balance stuff after, like, all of this chaos stuff. And what I realized is that, like, chaos is a game of Mm whack-a-mole. There's always something else that comes up. And so I think that they have to coexist. I think oftentimes we use balance as a noun, and I like to think of it as a verb. It's something that's constantly in motion and something you have to be a fierce participant in. I totally agree. And I think balance is a word that's been thrown around a lot in this like wellness movement. It's like, oh, seek balance. Find your balance. And I totally believe in what I define balance of. And someone once asked me like what my definition was. And I said it's not going to extreme in either degree because I think if you take just health, for instance, which is what a lot of people are thinking about when they say balance. You know, they're like, I drink my green smoothie, but I love my cheeseburger. Fine. But for me – Going so extreme of like eating just like a lot of foods that aren't making you feel good, binging, that's not a good life to live in. But on the other spectrum of things, like obsessing over what you're eating, obsessing over the input and how much you're working out and what your body looks like, like that's no fun to exist in either. Zero fun. Zero fun. And I've been there. 
And so it's finding that spot in the middle where it really just isn't something you're thinking about. Like in that, well, that's specific to food, but I totally agree with chaos existing in a same space as balance because realistically, you're never going to be in a place where everything is just zen. Totally. Rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. And then I don't know if you feel this way, and I think it's kind of what you were alluding to when you said imposter, but I then feel guilt like, oh my God, Mm. I felt this way after I left my job. Why am I anxious? Why am I still like having these spells of depression? I'm doing what I love and I should be so happy. And then there's guilt piled on top of that. And that just makes the balance further away. You know what I mean? Yeah. The sh- it's the shame. The shame, yes. It's the hating on yourself. It's that mean girl inside mm, your head. She's such a bitch. She is such a hoe. <laughs> Why is she like – I don't know. I every time – Seriously, uh, like if I – well, you know, she still comes out to play. Yeah. But I've quieted her. Same. You know, I really think that I was in an abusive relationship mm-hmm. with myself. Yeah. And when something bad would happen at work, I would just rail on myself. Like, I'd mm-hmm. say the meanest things. Like, you suck. You're the worst. You're going to die alone. You're going to be broken, homeless, yeah. and live in the gutter with cats or whatever. <laughs> like, if you said that to me, my new sister, like, what would I say to you? <laughs> you suck. Can't yeah. You're the worst. You're going to die alone. Like, no. You I would never say, like, say you're the things. best you're amazing it's yeah. all gonna be okay baby give me a hug like, yeah but we don't treat ourselves that way at all not at all and I really worked on quieting that voice for me meditation has helped immensely but also just when I'm saying when I hear her start to speak it's like nah I'm good thanks for the input but like see you later and my mom has said this to me about things she struggled with of like accepting that there are certain things going on in your life and acknowledging them. So like for me, my anxiety. I acknowledge my anxiety. I'm aware I have it. I know it's a part of me. But it will walk beside me. It will never control me. So like, hey, how are you? Nice to see you. But you can stand here. You have your place. But you don't run this shit. And like that's the voice for me. Yeah, girl. I'm like, I hear you. But you're not controlling me. Yeah, I think, you know, I do a lot of mindfulness stuff with my thoughts as logs, like going down a river. And I see them. I'm like, what's up? Ruminating about your ex. How you doing? (laughs) Like, I see you. Yeah. And for me, it was really in the same way as your anxiety, like coming to terms with my diagnosis of post-traumatic stress disorder, Mm -hmm. which I didn't realize folks that didn't go to war could have. Was there a specific incident that caused yours? A complete mental, emotional, physical breakdown that stemmed from severe burnout and an emergency admittance to the psych ward that made me rethink everything in my life and how Mm -hmm. I was working and what balance even was. I never even stopped to think about it. And it was at that moment that I realized that self-care is the biggest asset or liability Mm -hmm. in your career, spoken like the money lady. Um, Because I think when it's off, it can bring you to your own personal rock bottom like it did for me from outward appearances. I was the New York Times bestselling Uh, author, preaching boss Mm -hmm. bitchdom. That was my second book that I had just finished, like telling other women to get their shit together. I had a second season of a show. Like I had all the things from the outside. I looked very put together, but Mm -hmm. on the inside, I wasn't as put together as I looked. I was so much more broken. And and I think when it's on point, it can actually bring you more success, however you define that. Mm -hmm. And I think balance changes. The definition of balance changes throughout your life. Absolutely. You know, during this last year, I was really focused on book stuff and career Mm -hmm. stuff again. And I forgave myself for the stuff I wasn't focused on because you can't 
do all the things. No, you can have you it all, I think, only if you define what it all means. Mm-hmm. You just can't do it all, especially not at the same time. And so mm-hmm. he's like, I'm a terrible friend. I'm not dating. You know, I'm going to – but this is what I'm focusing on right now. That is my balance. It doesn't need to look, you know, what – like Lady Justice with her two stupid mm-hmm. bowls. Like I hate that idea. It's never going to be 50-50. Yep. You know, super women have more than two things we're juggling. Like what about a side hustle or a burgeoning mm-hmm. romance? So what is that, like 37% to yeah. 14%? Like 50-50 is so unrealistic. And so the definition for me of balance has changed throughout my career. Mm-hmm. And in my 20s, when I would be the opposite of what traditionally balanced might be, I don't regret that in the same way as like, I don't wish I didn't have PTSD yeah. or perhaps you don't wish you didn't have anxiety. It makes no, you who I you are now. today mm-hmm. and like have you have the platform that you have now because of it. I agree. And so I look back and I would for so long try to understand why I had long bouts of depression, like mm-hmm. many rounds in the ring with darkness and these times of hyper arousal, which is in the DSM for PTSD. Yeah. But like, that's not the sexy kind. It's yeah. like working really hard. And so I have to consider that what I never thought I would was my biggest superpower mm-hmm. and not my biggest problem. I had to reframe that for myself. Yes, and I think people can do that with anything that they may look at as holding them back because I've heard many of times like, you know, instead of viewing your anxiety as something that's holding you back, view it as one of your best traits. View it as your superpower. And so for me, flipping that script is now I look at my anxiety of, okay, sometimes it's really hard to deal with, but it has gotten me to where I am today. It has opened my discussion on my platform to have my story to share. And it's connected with so many people and like hopefully made them feel comfortable about something they're struggling with. So for me, my anxiety has kind of become a superpower in a way. And it's caused me to change so many aspects of my life because I'm always consistently thinking, how can I manage it? And so it's forcing me to always do things that maybe I wouldn't otherwise do, if that makes sense. Totally. In like a positive way. Yeah, and I think somebody has to go first with this discussion. Yeah. I'm like, I'll show you mine. You show me yours. You don't even need to show me yours. Just show yourself. Yeah. As long as we're having some of this discussion. It's it's bananas to me. I think we've come a long way uh, talking about mental health. Um, But, you know, my third book was still in the business section. I didn't go into the Mm self-help section or anything like that. Um, because I think it has everything to do with your career. You know, we can't talk about this in a vacuum. It's not like, oh, here's your mental health thing. Like, get a deep tissue massage every once in a while. That's balance. Or like a pedicure. Like, I'm here for the pedicure or the Mm -hmm. deep tissue massage, just like every other girl. But that, you know, is not Mm self-care as much as like, Going to therapy. I think everyone yep. should oh go to gosh, therapy. Best going thing to ever. the doctor. Mm-hmm. That's like not the sexy, yeah. fun, Instagrammable, you know, self-care. But I think it's really necessary. It's very necessary. And I agree. Self-care has become this thing of like this massive bubble bath with like flower petals and colored <laughs> bombs and a tray across your bathtub with like a journal and crystals and Palo Santo. It's great <laughs> if you have that to do all those things. But a majority of us don't. 
And self-care can be anything from actually like enjoying a bowl of ice cream, which is my form of self-care a lot, and not in a I'm upset, I'm depressed, I need ice cream way, but I'm really happy. And this food brings me so much joy and I want to enjoy it with the person I love the most. Or sitting with yourself and like being comfortable sitting with yourself is a form of self-care. Being comfortable to sit in the silence and to just be present is something I'm really working on. And that for me is a version of self-care because it's when I end up doing the most personal work and feeling the best. Yeah. Getting uncomfortable was something mm-hmm. I did a lot in my recovery period. I, you know, I tried everything. Like I went to Bali and I met gurus and I went to Miraval and I like met every teacher and I did an outpatient program on DBT. And like mm-hmm. I tried to hack this balance thing because yep. everything I had seen was so woo woo. And I was like, I don't know about this meditation thing. Like yeah. what? You go to a studio and pay $40 to be in silence. Like I have so many <laughs> questions. Yeah. And so, So I went on this journey for myself to figure out what worked for me. And I Mm -hmm. think it looks different for everyone. So for me, meditation is like taking a random ass class, like latte art making or like dream catcher making or whatever. Like that doesn't need to be for everyone. But when I'm doing stuff like that, I'm only focused on that repetitive motion. And for me, that's meditative. And getting yourself out of your own head. That's the biggest thing. Figuring out what that is. And like, you know, forms of workout really do that for me which I love because I'm focused solely on that exercise. I'm not running through a list of 10,000 things I have to do. Right. Which is when I then go a little cuckoo. Um, So you openly discuss this, can I say mental break? Is that okay? Okay. Which I so appreciate you being so open and honest and vulnerable about that. That's something that I hope to provide a space for people to feel comfortable and vulnerable because I really think that encouraging others to share their stories and making people feel less alone will make everyone happier. Um, Amen, sister. Oh, thank you. After that, was that when the creation of Superwoman came? You know, the thesis of becoming Superwoman, um, that self-care is the biggest asset or liability in Mm -hmm. your career. And also another sort of sub-thesis would be that there's no external solution to internal problems. And that's what I was looking for for my entire career. And I self-prescribed not drugs or alcohol, but work Mm -hmm. to hide from a super traumatic upbringing. Um, I didn't even know what trauma was. Like, I didn't even stop to think about it. I didn't sit with myself, like you said. Like, it's uncomfortable. It's Mm -hmm. like, who wants to go through trauma therapy? It's like, I want to have a colonoscopy or have a trauma therapy. Like, (laughs) there's never a good day to do that. Yeah. Uh, But, you know, like I do EMDR, which is trauma therapy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with that is the only thing that takes away some of its power um, over you. Mm -hmm. And so for me, I discovered this thesis I you know didn't realize until I had more perspective on the situation mm-hmm. but when I was in the hospital I was uh, taken to the emergency room th- three o'clock in the morning you know I had a full bottle of Ambien that I was fully intending to take mm-hmm. and um, I was suicidal and depressed and just you know totally stressed and at that moment I was with my psychiatrist and my assistant and I canceled everything And at that point, I was like, nothing else matters. Like, you can negotiate your ass off, which is all the tips that I had been giving women in Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch, my first two books. Um, But if you're in the psych ward, like, nothing else matters. Yeah, if you're not alive, there's nothing to negotiate for. That's right. Or networking or any of those Mm -hmm. other things. They're great. But, you know, 
the psych ward was the best and worst place I've ever been. Um, It's the great equalizer, like the Mm -hmm. subway or the flu. You know, there's CEOs, there's Hasidic Jews and Broadway stars and homeless people. And like everybody's there because they're suffering and they need to get better Mm -hmm. like you would do in the hospital. And so I took that recovery really seriously. Um, DBT was something that really helped me um, in order to get out of the hospital. I Can you explain a little bit about DBT? Yeah. Do you know about it? I do, but I feel like a lot of people don't. I just happen to learn from a personal thing. Oh, cool. It's changed my life for yeah. sure. So dialectical behavioral therapy, um, Lady Gaga was just talking about oh, it. She really? actually did a really nice job. She was doing um, with the WW tour with Oprah mm-hmm. and she talked about some of the skills that had changed her life and her own mental health. Um, and she did a really nice job in articulating what those skills are because it's broken down into, into different it. modalities of like interpersonal effectiveness and mindfulness and mm-hmm. emotional regulation and like super basic skills yep. um, that we just need to take care of ourselves and to have relationships, whether at work or personal or mm-hmm. whatever, that we don't learn in school. We learn like the most bullshit things how to dissect a frog, the Pythagorean theorem, nonsense. Like for years and years, I would say we should learn personal finance, you know. Which we should also. We should also, 100%. If I were in charge of the world, we would learn how Mm -hmm. to do a budget and our taxes and a business plan, you know, in addition to whatever other, like, Yes. Geometry. What a 401k is. is. Like people graduate and they don't even know what that is. Right. Or writing a check. Like literally. Taxes, everything. Right. One time somebody was like, I have money because I have checks. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) Save us. And (laughs) and in addition to that, I would say this stuff should be taught. Totally. Even if you had an awesome family, like I didn't. I had a super broken home. But even if you, like, grew up with parents. We all deal with shit. Nobody talks about it. Nobody's like, oh, here's Mm. how you deal with, like, you know, a difficult situation or difficult email. Mm -hmm. Or here's how you pause. You know, you never regret a pause for an email that you're about to like say it real nasty. (laughs) You never regret a workout when it's done, Mm -hmm. of course. And I think that we just don't have those basic skills. And those basic skills really helped me because my brain is like steps-based and Mm process-based and analytical. And I wanted like clear action plans. And so, you know, I was valedictorian of my high school and college, which like that and 350 will get me a soy latte. So like it doesn't (laughs) matter. But I say that only because I was like valedictorian of like the outpatient program at Silver Hill Hospital where I was like with my workbooks and like taking all my notes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that really helped me because like it took something really overwhelming Mm -hmm. um, and really squishy, you know, because you don't have like brass tacks for, you know, what might be going on if you're dealing with trauma. Um, And so it helped me just like break it down into something that made sense to me and gave me like homework and an action plan. And I felt Mm -hmm. like I was making progress that way. And studies have shown that women who create cohesive narratives for themselves and their lives are more likely to be successful. There are these studies done in battered women's shelters where, Mm -hmm. you know, you go in and they would say, you know, what happened? And the women who said like, it was just so crazy and uh, and uh, and like couldn't articulate what had Mm -hmm. happened were more likely to, you know, stay there for longer. And the women who could say like, here's what happened, da, 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 were more likely to get through it. And so I really focused on creating what that narrative was for myself because it's easy to say like, it just hurts. Like everything hurts. Everything's overwhelming. And it could be. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for me, the skills really helped me get through it. 
Thank you so much for sharing all of that. And what you said really rings true and resonates with me because, I mean, on so many fronts, what you said of the, you know, you come from a broken home, but even the people who don't come from, like, everyone has their story and everyone, unfortunately, deals with shit. And it doesn't matter whether you are broke on the streets or your family is a billionaire. There's something going on and we should all be taught and encouraged to speak about these things and to have the difficult conversations. And- the fact that you're – I'm very similar in the sense of like I everything should have a place. I'm a very analytical person. I am a results-driven person. And so that's why, you know, I was always better at math than English mm-hmm. because it was very simple. I knew 2 plus 2 equals 4. Yep. For sentences, there was too much leeway to go wrong, you know. And I think that's why I've struggled a bit in the beginning, especially with the mental health aspect of my journey and struggles – Because it's the, I don't know why I'm anxious, and that's what overwhelmed me. And so learning to sit with myself and really assess emotions as they're coming instead of just like putting them in a box and putting a pretty ribbon on it and setting it aside and saying, oh, it'll just sit there. Like nothing sits there. It'll come up. Mm -hmm. It'll open itself up the time that you don't want it to the most. Um, But finding those tools to actually assess what I'm feeling and to try and find the script and get to the bottom of it has really helped me. So maybe I'm practicing forms of DBT that I don't even know. Um, But it's really interesting because it is true. Finding a reason just helps so much. Totally. And problems, like like you said, are not a competition. Like, No. I always say like, okay, you didn't have like the extent of trauma I did. Like you still had stuff that affected you. Mm-hmm. And if it affected you, then it's important. And, you know, and I think girlfriends too, you know, we yeah. always are concerned like, oh, it wasn't as bad as yours. It's like, it's not a competition. Trauma and problems are not a competition. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can have your stuff, you know, it, because it matters to you. Like not drowning is not the same as swimming. And so if you're not that's very drowning, good. Yes, I like that saying a lot. that's like, falling short of a life that you deserve and you should be swimming. And so Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're like, oh, there's nothing to see. It's all good. Let's just keep going. Like I did the largest study ever done on women and burnout. And I found fascinating. Um, 80 to 90 percent of us are on or had a burnout or breakdown or on the verge of one, which is Mm -hmm. cuckoo town, USA, which is not a town I want to live in. Mm -hmm. But the most fascinating part was of it was that um, about half of us believe the pace of our lives is sustainable. So essentially we're saying, yeah. like, we're struggling. There's a problem, but it's all good. Like, nothing to see. We're just going to keep going. And ultimately, I am living proof that it will kick your ass. Mm-hmm. It ultimately will. And I think, yeah, the DBT stuff um, that you're putting into your life without even knowing it, um, the interesting part of, like, the D in DBT is – Uh, that it's dialectics. So it's that two things can be true at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's not, you know, I hate my job um, or I love what I do. They both can be true. You can be anxious and happy at the same time. Yes. Like that's something I've had to, I've come to terms with to kill the shame and the guilt. I can still be happy even if I'm anxious. I don't have to just be anxious and therefore also depressed. Yeah. And it's like looking at your life like a picnic 
um, they say, like, you accept all of it. You accept the dirt and the bugs and the wine and the cheese and all the lovely things. Like, you have to accept the entire scene. And that's, like, when people say, oh, I want to be, like, this person. Yeah, like, you get all of it. Mm -hmm. It's not just, like, the Instagram time. It's not just the wine. It's not just, like, all the good things. Mm -hmm. It's the whole shebang. Yes. And regarding the burnout, I think we're also in this culture where we, like, love to brag that we're busy. It's everyone's yes. favorite thing to say. I'm so busy. And I am a huge I, – I mean, I also unfortunately lived that life for a long time. I vividly yeah. remembered acknowledging it when every morning in the elevator to get up to the floor we were on in sales and trading, you like have the conversations with the same people, you know – Every day in the elevator, you're just sitting there and it's very small talk. How are you? How was your weekend? What's going on? Or I would always say, I'm so tired or I'm so busy. And I started to notice I'm not even fucking tired and I'm just saying <laughs> I'm so tired. And who cares that I'm so busy? Why is that interesting? Why is that my thing that I say? Like, do I want to be known as a busy girl? So accepting no, – busy badge of honor. Yes. Like, we love to say it. So it's fine if your schedule is actually like – you know, filled with things you love, that's great, but you don't have to constantly be saying how busy you are. And also taking a step back and maybe removing some things from the calendar because what you said of, you know, you hit your breakdown and it's clear that it's not sustainable. I have this ongoing, I mean, I call it a joke. I guess it's not really a joke. But when I got engaged, I was planning the wedding with my husband. I was doing my full-time job at J.P. Morgan, and I was running Freckled Foodie on the side. And I had wanted to potentially leave my job to run Freckled Foodie, but I just didn't think it was possible. My job was a huge ego badge of honor that I couldn't let go of. And so my husband and I decided, why don't we just enjoy the engagement and, you know, you can, like, reassess after the wedding because it's going to be a lot going on. And Everyone kept saying, are you so stressed? You have so much going on. You're crazy. Like I was getting up at four to work on Freckled Foodie, go to the gym, go to work, come home, work on Freckled Foodie, somehow maintain a social life and plan a wedding. And I always joked, I feel like I'm running with a blindfold on. Mm. I will 100% hit a wall. I just don't know when it's coming. And right now I'm fine. And the joke is that I didn't hit a wall. A car hit me and that was the wall. Oh my God. And so, yeah, so I actually ended up, I got hit by a car. Um, and I struggled from – I say this so like just bluntly because I feel like anyone listening to this has heard me say it so yeah. many times so I feel badly. But I got hit by a car. I suffered from a bad concussion. I was on disability for two months and then I eventually took it as the sign of yeah. shit has to change. Yeah. I don't love what I'm doing. Life is way too fucking short. I should be happier on a daily basis. I know what I want to do. I'm going to take the plunge. And so I did. But – that was my rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And my mom – I'm someone that unfortunately kind of waits for the other shoe to drop sometimes. My mom and I were just having a conversation about this because I call her after therapy and I decide to share what I want to share with her. And I was saying how I felt that way about a certain part of my life. And she said it's so interesting because your shoes dropped. You got hit by a car. Yeah. Like the shoe has dropped and now you just get to enjoy life. I feel like – like she was saying how she feels like her shoe hasn't dropped yet. And for me, that was my total aha of like slow the F down. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I took it very seriously and I did slow down and I'm so grateful that in a weird way it happened and it's woken me up and maybe you feel the same way. But yeah. And like you were saying, it's kind of an asset now that you have. 
Totally. I think that, you know, we have to hang up that busy badge of honor. Mm -hmm. And um, my new saying is being stressed doesn't mean you're important. Yes. Because I think that for a long time in my career, you know, I started on the air when I was 15. Um, so I've been in TV for 20 years. And I just felt like I was always breathless. Like that's mm-hmm. how I just lived, just Same. in a constant like a fight or flight stage. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so comfortable like in that stressed moment. And I felt like if I didn't have my schedule packed, then I wasn't being productive. But the truth is yes. like having meetings all day long is not working. No. Like, And did you struggle like ever – sitting on a couch and just watching TV because I couldn't do totally. it. Totally. Could not do it. I 1, couldn't go on vacation. Percent. I couldn't like – our vacations had to be scheduled and jam-packed with activities and yep. whatever it may be. I was so uncomfortable Same. in the just ease of like no arrangements right. and not being stressed and the like actual state of mind that we're supposed to live in. Totally. And when I left CNBC and I started my own company, I had these awesome women that worked for me and they knew like early on if I wasn't like scheduled to the 15 minute mark, Mm -hmm. if I had like extra time for lunch or something, I was like, I'm sorry, we're not defying space time continuum now. Like I'm not happy about this. Yeah. If I wasn't on a red eye or like the first flight out or like if I just wasn't so packed that maybe I was mm-hmm. – my shrink would probably say that I was, like, hiding or running from yeah. all the things, which she's a shrink because she knows these she gets things it. so probably. Um, but, yeah, like, post-breakdown and rethinking this, so, like, mm-hmm. my equivalent of you are being hit by a car, I, you know, did the same thing. I rethought my entire schedule. My team was like, what? Who is this girl? Yeah. <laughs> what? You want a lunch break? My now? friends joke that I'm a different human. You probably are. I mean, I totally am. It's changed so much, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Yeah. Of just assessing different situations, emotions, relationships, everything has changed. Well, I think for a long time I would be in the zone, and maybe you were too, where I would be happy when I got to a certain level. Yep. So I'd be like, yeah, I'll be happy when I become an anchor on CNN. Mm -hmm. And then I got there when I was 21 and I wasn't happy. And then I was like, oh, okay, we have to keep raising the bar. So then you're an anchor on whatever, CNBC. And then it's like one book and it's not one book, it's two books. And Mm -hmm. it's like never enough. And you never get your brain to the other side of balance or happiness or whatever you think like success is going to bring you. Mm -hmm. But studies have shown that we have this equation wrong. Like, Actually, happiness brings you more success and not the other way around. Yes. And I'm not a girl to normally like – he's not super on brand, Jim Carrey. <laughs> I have a, a quote in my – like the last chapter of my book where he says something like, I hope everybody becomes rich and famous and gets everything they ever wish they wanted so they know that's not the answer. Yes. And I've heard that I quote. Yeah. Yeah. I've constantly lived in a life of I'll be happy when X mm-hmm. – and my therapist and I have worked so hard on ditching the X because living in a state of mind of I'll be happy when X happens is just, as you said, going to continue to change. The X becomes Y. The Y becomes Z. And it just yeah. starts the alphabet all over again. And once I noticed that and accepted that, I realized that I'll never be happy because I'm constantly going to be living in a state of mind of the next thing has to happen. Mm-hmm. And – like almost immediately we change the goal Immediately. On yeah. And we don't live in that moment of holy shit, whatever I just did is amazing or whatever I'm doing right now is awesome. And, you know, people – and maybe you feel the same way, but 
my journey from one career to the next has obviously been a public one because I'm talking about it all the time and, Mm -hmm. you know, my platform is public and I'm sharing all these things and I'll see people and they're like, oh my God, you're doing so well. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm doing okay, but I really want this. And now I'm finally accepting, yeah, I am doing really well. I'm loving it. I'm having fun. Yeah, girl. And accepting that and owning that. And I saw – this is so random, but the Grammys were last night. I didn't even watch, but I was watching someone's stories about them. Cable, yeah. Okay, yes. So they – Selena Gomez, someone said like – She loves DBT too. Yeah, Selena Gomez is like the perfect example of living in the – I will be vulnerable. I will share my downs, but I will freaking own my wins. Like, I'm awesome and I'm going to own it. Yeah. And I think we also could do a better job at that, especially as females. Yes. It's one part of like telling your story and then it's also really owning it. And Mm -hmm. I think, yes, as females, we constantly put ourselves down all the time. It's like, okay, let's do a little role playing for a second. Yes. We compliment my hair. Your hair looks amazing. Oh, my God. I mean, I was running around. I had dry shampoo, like, all over. I haven't washed my hair in three days. Like, it's been windy and it's all nuts. But your hair looks amazing. And that headband is so cute. I live in headbands. Okay. (laughs) Let's try it one more time. Your hair looks amazing. Thank you. Okay. My friend's going to listen to this and die because (laughs) I get so mad at my mom. I love you, mom. But I'll say, I Mom, you, you look am- – yeah. I'll be like, Mom, you look amazing. She's like, oh, this I'm looks – so fat. I'm yeah, like, this looks weird and this. And I turn to her and like I'll watch my dad compliment her and she'll react that way. And finally I turn to her and go, fucking accept the compliment. Yes. Just accept it. Yes. And it triggered me to notice, do I accept them? So now I have this one friend that compliments me all the time. Shout out Emily. And Emily, Thanks, Emily. will always say, look at you. You look so cute. And I just go, oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. I'm just like – Thanks. Right. And she laughs every time. She's like, I love the way you just take compliments. And so I have now become so aware of how many people, specifically females, just automatically rebut with, oh, no. Yeah. I'm terrible. Like, let me put myself down and then compliment you, Mm -hmm. which is like so so our jam. own that shit. Totally. own it. Yeah. Say thank you and move on. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, and we I'm say I'm sorry too much. Like I'm on war. Oh, I don't say I'm sorry because I hate I hate saying I'm sorry. Like I stopped apologizing for shit I'm not sorry for. And I shouldn't be sorry for. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. I'm okay. working on that with one of my other good friends. And she's come a long way. It's just the awareness of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I counted one day how many times I said I'm sorry. And I was like 50. And I was like, this has got to stop. Yeah. And I- so now I'm on war with I'm sorry. And then for thank you. And also saying no more. Those are like my word. Yes. I was I stopped saying I'm sorry for things that I shouldn't apologize for when a man yes. sprinted into me basically on the subway and I was standing still and I turned and I said, I'm so sorry and he didn't react. And I go, Wait, you just bummed into me. Why That's am right. I saying I'm sorry? That's right. Like what? We do that all the time. All the time. And even in, you know, emails, I did this whole thing on my story I like months ago. And in work emails, People will say, I'm so sorry. I didn't – I get, get it. Get back if, to you in it, three minutes. Yeah. yeah. If it was a really long time and actually something happened, then fine. You can say I'm sorry. But typically, it's not really anything you should be apologizing for. Right. And instead saying, thank you so much for your patience. That's right, girl. Yeah. That's exactly right. It's flipping it around all the time. And it's like being late too. You know, you don't need to go into TMI of like you had a tampon thing yeah. or, like, or whatever. There was traffic. Like we've all been there. 
And yeah, I think it's just thank you so much for your patience. Like, mm-hmm. let's get going. Everyone. Also, people apologizing for their appearance. Leave that shit in 2019. I'm so <laughs> sorry for the way I look. Why are you apologizing? Like people – if I see people in their workout clothes, which is what I usually live in. This is me dressed up. And they are saying, I'm so sorry. I just left Pilates. Say, go, like, good for you. You got Pilates <laughs> right. in. Right. I mean, I just wear athleisure and I don't even go yeah, to the gym. Same. I just feel like that's <laughs> I just that's live in athleisure. My thing now is telling my girlfriends, stop talking about my friend like that. So when they say like, I'm so fat, I'm the worst, blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'm like, stop like, talking what? about my friend like that. Oh, I love that. Because if that. somebody else said that shit about you, I would punch them in the face or gouge their eyes yeah. out. So you're not allowed to talk about my friend like that. I, I'm going to steal that. Steal it. Thank you for that. And it's so funny because I love when this happens. And this is why, like, starting with how would you define success? Originally, I don't have a script, obviously, but when we decided to do this, I was like, great, we'll talk about financials because people ask me 10,000 questions about money and all this stuff. And then it goes the direction of what we actually need to talk about and right. what's on our mind. So I really appreciate I'm coming that back entire- to talk about finance. Yeah. And we can talk about it over Thanksgiving, too. Oh, perfect. I mean- no, but I love that direction that this entire conversation has gone so far. Same. I would – let's just touch a little bit on finance sure. because it is such a large role of potentially also what like led to the burnout for you. Mm-hmm. So can you walk us through – do you look at your life in like a pre and post burnout? A little bit. I do. That's why I'm asking. Yeah. Because I was going to say, can you tell us about what you were doing? Because yeah. you're so focused on finance. Yep. Teaching, correct? I am. But maybe in a different mentality or similar mentality for that. It's just a different mentality for the way you're handling your life. Yeah. I mean, there's a marked difference because, um, you know, the advice that I gave in Rich Bitch and Boss Bitch was about setting what your goals are and then having price tags for those goals and like reverse engineering uh, the life you want and then figuring out how to get the money to live the life you want, not mm-hmm. the other way around because people are like, I just want a million dollars. I'll be happy when I get a million dollars. I'm like, bitch, what are you going to do with that million dollars? I don't know. Maybe you need more than a million dollars. Maybe you need less than a million dollars. First, let's figure out the life you want mm-hmm. because I think a lot of times what gave me anxiety a lot was when people would say, what do you want to be in five years or what oh do you want to do God. in 10 years? I would like freak out, break out into hives, get sweaty pits, all the things. And then I realized like I'm anxious because I didn't actually answer the question. Mm-hmm. Like I thought in my head, yeah, world domination. I'm going to be in the medium. That's like not an answer. And yeah. so I broke it down into the three F's for my first two books. So family, finance, and fun. Mm-hmm. And for Boss Bitch, my editor was like, how are you talking about family planning like in a business book? That's not done. I'm like, that's right, because it yes. should be done. Like, it's your one life. It's not your family life. It's not your career. It's like your one life. Hello. And nothing is more expensive or time consuming than children. I don't have yes. human children, but like, I don't care if you want 10 kids or 10 cats. Like, just figure it out because They're you expensive. need to plan for that shit. Exactly. And so I was like, okay, one, three, five, seven, ten year goals in those three F's because I love F words, obviously. Yes. And so for this book, I said, Mia culpa. Like, mm-hmm. I forgot an F word, guys. It's not that one, although fucking is like also <laughs> helpful for stress. Um, it's fitness. And it's not just like getting a six pack, mm-hmm. it's like mental and emotional fitness. Yeah. And also physical fitness, like and just taking care of yeah. yourself. And I didn't account for that. Like mm-hmm. I didn't it didn't even register for me in my first two books. I was like, here's what we're planning in our lives, like here's what we're focusing on. Mm-hmm. And for becoming superwoman, I'm like, listen, like 
I'm breaking down balance because I tried to come up with like a system and a process as, yes. as you and I love so much for what balance is. So I created like a point system like Weight Watchers or the company formerly known right. as Weight Watchers where I say take 10 points and like figure out what your values are and what you're focusing on and divvy out those points. Like that's mm-hmm. what you get. And forgive yourself for what you're not focusing on. And my only requirement is that you give one point at least to emotional wellness. Otherwise, it will require all 10 points like it did for me. Yes. If it's neglected for too long, it will take that entire pie of your time because you did not give it enough time throughout. Totally true. Yeah. And it's very, it rings true to an analogy my mom told me once that she saw in a speech where there are buckets and you have a water, a big jug to fill a few of the buckets to fill up the buckets with what you want. And so one bucket may be spending time with your children. The other bucket may be going into the office for work. The other bucket may be working out. And you get to decide, but there should be a little bit of water in all the things that are important to you. And then you decide how much gets what. But also in your own bucket. What's interesting is I did a social experiment with Mm -hmm. women before um, Becoming Superwoman came out. And I asked them to list the top five things they value. They came in for like this fake casting. Wait, can I list mine before you tell me the results? Oh, for sure. Top five things I value? Yeah. Family is definitely one. Great. Really big. Um, My personal well-being. I just had a conversation with Joe where I was like, well, you know what? I also get to put myself first. Yeah. And I get to make a decision based on what I want to do. Um, Showing up for friends. And with that, also choosing friends that show up for me. So that I'll count that as like one. That's three. Um, nourishing my body with foods that make me feel good. And fitness in the form of like enjoyment. And I mean my mel- mental health. Like I really value having the clarity but also just the comfort in how I feel. This is the best I felt in – this past like probably five months, I would say, is the best I've felt in my entire life. And I've just let go of the bullshit. I love that. Thanks. Well, you would be the only woman who put herself on the list. Really? None of the women who came in put themselves on the list. They put awesome things. Family, God, work, you know, food, I my sure dog, I said they even put work on there. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. But nobody put themselves on the list. And and I was like, what about the top 10 things? And still value? none. Yeah, you don't even think about it. And so, you know, my thing was like, put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. I was just going to say, you have, have to help to. yourself before you can help others. You can't be of service to anyone else if you're crashing and burning yourself. Mm-mm. Like, I think we try to be superwoman the character, which was, you know, what my goal for the title was because it's super space woman as you see right yeah. in my arm um you know and that space allows for you the woman and I think superwoman the character was really stifling and this mm-hmm. whole lean in shit was like lean so far into everything we're falling over I think it was like fine rhetoric for the time but it became really dangerous because it's like you can't just work more and fix things that doesn't yeah. work that's not real life and superwoman this like idea is a woman who tries to do it all and be it all and be all things to all people. So ultimately she's nothing to herself. Like I went back and looked at the superwoman I was origin just story. Say, I would love to reread that. Yeah. It's like a woman or a like superwoman or whatever who was 
saved by Superman and then went on to save the world, like looking smoking hot in her mm-hmm. bustier and like of perfect hair yeah. and like thigh high boots Rockin and bun. all the things. Yeah. And like, that's not a woman I want to be. Like, I don't mm-hmm. want to be saved by a dude and then like go save everybody else and like not taking a beat for myself. Mm-hmm. No, no it's, I totally agree. And I really admire the public redirect you've taken because I think it would have been really easy for you to just have the breakdown and get back into the old life and say, okay, well, sorry, this is the person everyone knows me to be and these are the books I've written and I'm digging my heels in and sticking to my guns. But to really take a step back, be with yourself, seek comfort in that and then reassess and move forward in the also goal of helping others move through these phases of life is really admirable. Thank you. Yeah. The only way I know how to tell a story is to tell it honestly. Like I can't lie because I can't keep track of the lies. (laughs) But also like my audience is so smart and Mm -hmm. I think they've really grown with me of like, okay, we're going to get our financial shit together. We're going to get like our crew together. We're going to like go through burnout together. And I knew that like if I wasn't talking about what was top of mind for me, like it wouldn't resonate. No. And it just – you can tell as an audience when someone's either totally bullshitting or not speaking their mind. That's it's right. very obvious. Or speaking their truth. But I didn't even know what my truth was. I didn't yeah. even know that that was a thing. And yeah, for me, I I really take a responsibility of an audience seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there's this quote, too, that, um, you know, I love it when people who walk through the flames come back with buckets of water for those still trapped in the fire or something mm. like that. And that's really what my mission was. It was like, okay, I didn't have a guidebook for this and to figure it out. I'm going to make one. And I was lucky enough to have the resources to pay for a lot of this stuff, which Mm -hmm. is expensive. And I fully own, like, listen, you know, I worked really hard and I had opportunities to go to, like, you know, the best doctors and meet Mm -hmm. with the best experts. And, like, here you go. Here's, like, all the cliff notes of stuff that I learned and wish I had beforehand. So hopefully, you know, you might not need to reach rock bottom like you did like I did. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, you know, my sh- story can be that teaching moment or that, you know, that time where you can say like, okay, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to get to the psych ward because it's yeah. not super fun. Um, but I think, you know, it was the only thing that I felt like I should be talking about mm-hmm. because it was the thing that was the only thing I was thinking about. Of course. At the, it hits a point where you, you can't even fathom having other conversations. What do you think your favorite characteristic about yourself is? I love that question. I think it's uh, self-awareness, mm-hmm. and it's taken me a long time to get there. Um, I think it's really easy to be delusional and tell yourself stories yes. about your you know, past or your present mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And, um, and that's okay. Like sometimes you have to tell yourself stories to get through. Mm-hmm. So whatever does it for you at the time, but – Yeah, I think I've worked really hard to find, like, true self-awareness. And also, like, you know, I wrote an epilogue for this book where I would have never done this before. Um, I was about to go to print, and Rich Bitch came out four years ago in March. Boss Bitch came out two years ago in March. And Becoming a Superwoman was supposed to come out two years later in March. And as we were going to print, I know, (laughs) I was like a little bow, like my birthday. I don't know. It's just like made sense. No one gave a fuck except for me and Mm -hmm. like my brain. I was like, oh, it's like, let's wrap it up. And I felt like I was on the verge of burnout yet again. And for 
the first time in a long time, like my imposter syndrome came back and I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to be talking about balance. I feel like my life is hanging in mm-hmm. it instead of like feeling like I'm balanced. I feel like I'm on the verge of burnout again. And I stopped the publication date. Wow. And I pushed it out six months and I went off the grid and I read my own book. And that's not like marketing no, PR or anything. Yeah. It was like, I went off. That's how I knew it works because I was like, dang, who wrote this? This yeah. is really good. And I was so like disassociated from it. I got really cocky. I was like, yeah, I got this balance shit. And the truth is like I had a lifetime of bad habits and only mm-hmm. a lifetime of good habits was going to be enough. Yeah. And at some point you also have to take your own advice. You know, we're so easy to tell others how to help themselves and not in like a condescending way, but really give others advice. And it's really hard to take your own advice. Totally. And I, but that's what I own too. Like Mm -hmm. I don't read your reviews when you write your many best-selling books, but like you, you. it will be hard not to. Yeah. Um, And I saw this one um, woman who said like, Nicole is a do as I say, not do as I do person. And I'm like, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I'm not even arguing with that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. take my own advice all the time. And that's the truth. I think and I don't really think a lot of people do. Totally. But they, they you know, I think when people say they're an expert, like, go the other way. Because yeah. nobody's really an expert mm-hmm. in anything. Like, you're constantly – and you should be constantly learning. Um, but, yeah, I remember being on this one show in L.A. And the host asked all the guests, like, before we went on – what they did that morning. And like part of the morning and evening routine is a big part of, you know, what I tried to hack. Mm -hmm. Like I really tried to get control of my phone time, all these things for my recovery that helped. And so I'm thinking like, okay, I should probably like talk about the stuff that's in the book. I should talk about like what my morning routine ideally is. And the first guy said something like, you know, I woke up, I wrote the top five things I'm manifesting, and then I drank lemon water or something like mm-hmm. that. And she was like, oh, what are those five things? He's like, you know, I just look at the five things. I was like, bullshit. Okay. The yeah. next woman was like, I ran 10 miles. I drank lemon water. And I'm I'm like, oh, my God, they're coming to me. And like I said before, I can't lie. So I said, yeah, I mean, I, I woke up this morning. I pulled my eyelashes off from last night. I scrolled on Instagram to find my ex-boyfriend's page was on there for like 30 minutes. Got a venti red eye and like just tried to make something out of my life. Yeah. And there was no lemons left in L.A. So I couldn't drink any lemon water because all y'all drank it all. Everyone drinks it. And that's it. Like there's like there's a lot of days. I really enjoy that response. I appreciate that. Because, you know, there are a lot of days that I start my day with gratitude journal and mm-hmm. not looking at my phone for an hour and like figuring out my intentions and all the things like in an ideal world. But that doesn't happen every day. Like and I'm not even mad about it. No. And I totally agree. And I was someone again in my like past life, which is what I call like pre-accident. I or my pre-life, whatever you want to phrase it as, I was such a psycho about my routines. I held on to them with a grip that could strangle someone. And it was so clear that it was getting in the way of my life when I would go home and, you know, I was trying to continue my routine and my mom would want to talk to me and I'd be like, shut up, like freak out or like she wanted to do something. Like it just really owned me. And I own the fact that it owned me. Like I'm now very aware of it. And even Post-accident, 
it still owned me. And I got to a point where I was almost anxious about my morning routines because I had to get up. I had to have my lemon apple cider vinegar water. I had to meditate. I had to write gratitude. I had to take a shit. I had to do that. Like I had to then (laughs) have my coffee. Important. Most important part of my day. But now – and honestly, we got a puppy uh, now like three months ago. It was starting to change before that, but he has totally changed my life in so many ways, but this one specific of he took every routine and he threw it right out the door and I didn't even care. You know, I wake up, I try to do certain things in the morning. I am like, you know, meditation is a number one priority for me. Again, it's you have to put your mask on before you help others. But like I'll wake up in the morning when he was a young puppy and he had pooped himself in his crate and I have to throw out all my routines so that I can bathe him because he's a living thing that needs attention. And I realize that my life will still go on. So you can think of all the things that, yes, it would be ideal to start our way in like a very mindful, focused manner. And I do think it's important to try to implement certain things so that we're not waking up and scrolling on Instagram first thing. I know personally that just puts me in not the greatest state of mind. So I stand by that. But I also understand that that's not going to happen 10 times out of 10. And it's okay. And like beating yourself up is only going to make it worse. Totally. And that's how we started this conversation. I truly believe that if you have more good days than bad days, then you're winning. And that's what I aim for. And I aim for progress and not perfection. Thank you for bringing us full circle. Woohoo! Drop that mic, girl. Drop the mic that I can't unfortunately drop because they're on stands. (laughs) For my final question, I bring things back to food for everyone when I close. What would be the top three ways to your heart through food? Mm. So what like really excites you about food? That's such a good question. It can be specific foods. It can be general. It could be setting. You know, it's really up to you. I mean, this is – this is a whole other podcast that we're going to have. Um, But, you know, for so long growing up on the air, I would be super regimented Mm -hmm. about food and, like, super body conscious and image conscious. And, like, you know, I would, um, you know, self-medicate with food and, like, I was having a shitty day and, like, the ice Mm -hmm. cream that we talked about earlier. And I think that in my – post breakdown time I've really like had a much healthier relationship with food yeah and like enjoying it and I think that like no matter what it is as long as I'm really enjoying it and not like feeling and shaming myself about it Mm -hmm. like I had I ordered pistachio ice cream from Van Leeuwen last night don't even get me started (laughs) don't even get me started sorry continue and I was like you know what? My former self would have then like beaten myself up like as I was going to bed, like thinking about the calories, thinking about all the things, mm-hmm. getting up in the morning, being like, I have to work out extra. I'm like, fuck this. Like I have my ice cream. I'm going to enjoy yes. it. And that's like, I think, and by the way, as like a side note, my I my body has never looked better because like I'm actually just, and I've wor- never worked out less mm-hmm. and eaten more. And yeah. so- you know, I think that part of it is just like the intention that you come into it with. And totally. like, I don't know, you'll forget more than I will ever know about like mm-hmm. the food and the science and what your body does to it. But like anecdotally, I can just say your body is like more down. Your to, body is way smarter than yeah, you think when it you're is. appreciating it. Mm-hmm. So I think that for me, food um, stuff, like I, I also um, had a resolution that I will take bites of anything delicious. 
Mm. Um, so that was on my resolution list because I'm vegan and, um, you know, I was super, 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 super strict and like I wanted that order yes, and like yes. all the things. And, um, and I would never, I'd be like, if something touched cheese or was next to cheese, I was like, should I put my finger down my throat? Like all the things yeah. I was so like crazy about it. And, you know, in the last couple of years, I was like, my, I felt like I wanted fish. Like I was just yeah. wanted fish. And I was like, you know what? My body wants fish. Like I'm going to eat it fish. fish. And so I did. And like, I wasn't mad about it. And then there was a time where I was like, I don't want fish anymore. So I don't eat fish. Yeah. And I just started dating a guy. Um, yay. Um, yay. and we were at breakfast or something cook shop and he, he had so like, good. so good. Some like chocolate, beignet something thing and it looked like really delicious and I'm sure there's all the eggs and the butter and the, all the things mm -hmm. and he's like do you want to just try it I'm like yeah I want to yeah. just try it like I'm gonna take a bite like it's gonna be okay it's okay I think we label these things and it's a lot of people like you said looking for structure and they want the black and white because maybe they feel uncomfortable in the gray yeah. but then we let it control us and then you're not living a healthy life. Like, right. sure, it doesn't matter how much food you put in your body that is deemed healthy. It doesn't make you healthy. Like, there is so much more of the equation than just the food you put in your mouth. And the mind is probably the biggest one. And so if you're living in this world of constrict, 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 I can't have this. I can binge on this. And constantly wasting all of this beautiful brain space on something that's not that important. You're no healthier than someone that's eating a Big Mac every day, totally. in my opinion. So I really like that resolution of I'm, yours. I'm glad. Yeah, I remember just drinking green juice like all day, every day, or like being on this raw food thing for a mm -hmm. while oh and being super strict and militant about it. And I just found myself like I constantly ate like all the veggies because I was never satisfied. Yeah. And lately I've been like, what do I want right now? I really want a burrito or a sandwich mm -hmm. or whatever. And I have like the sandwich and I eat when I'm hungry and I stop when I'm full and I That's eat whatever the fuck I want. And I'm like, wait, this is all I was supposed to do? Like this Captain whole time? Obvious? What? Yeah. And eating when I am hungry and then stopping and not acting like I'm never going to see food again. That's and right. Just, like You're never ravenous. being able to stop. Yeah. It's totally. an eye opening. Totally. Well, thank you so much for being thank on here. So this was so much, fun. so much fun. We'll have plenty more episodes Obviously. to come. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.